Hi, this is Natalie Pace. It's December 8th, 2022. And today we're going to talk about FDIC, CDIC, fiat, cryptocurrency, and what is safe. What we saw is that Voyager Digital said, told their depositors, hey, you are FDIC insured. And when Voyager went belly up, they weren't FDIC insured. So is there any merit at all to any of those brokerages that tell you that your FDIC insured cash is safe? And what can you do about it? Where should you hold your money? Are, are the banks safe? A lot of them have very low credit scores. Are they going to get into trouble? We saw that we had to bail out insurance companies and banks and brokerages in the Great Recession. Is that what's going to happen in the next one? We're going to talk about all things safe, crypto, fiat, all of that in this important video conference. And as importantly, we're going to point you to ways that you can diversify and uh, not be overly reliant on one thing, but also be overly reliant, uh, and not overly reliant, but reliant upon wisdom and smart strategies rather than listening to whatever it is that you're being told because what's going to be enforced is the fine print, not what you were told. So let's make sure we understand what the fine print says. And we're gonna also talk about money market funds annuities and other bank and uh, insurance products and retirement products that you should be aware of. We'll get started momentarily. Again, it's Natalie Pace. You can always listen back to these free video conferences at youtube.com forward slash Natalie Pace. And of course, for my books and my ongoing retreats and private coaching, just visit nataliepace.com. I'll see you shortly and we'll get started. Okay, so this month has we've seen, well, actually in the past six months, we've seen just a very dramatic change in the economy, in crypto, um, in almost everything. Gold, silver have shown weakness, and certainly stocks. Um, you know, everything has appeared to be a problem. Uh, obviously, the US and Canada are not suffering as much as Europe and particularly Eastern Europe and Ukraine. Um, and even Russia, to a certain extent, even though they are the, uh, the aggressors in this war. Um, but there are a lot of uncertainty for folks that are working very, very hard and just want to know that their future is protected or just want to know that their federally insured cash really is going to be insured and that um, they're not going to have trouble accessing their money if they need to buy something or if they would like to buy something. And that's what this one is all about. It's to talk about in real um, language that's easy to understand what the fine print says. So we saw, and again, I'm going to point you, all of these blogs, by the way, are going to be, when you go back to the YouTube channel and you click on this, you're going to be able to access all of these blogs that I show you in today's video conference. So the first one is dealing with, you know, the aftermath of the FTX bankruptcy and what we saw there. So what we saw is that there was a lot of very high profile individuals who probably were paid to be ambassadors and to lend them their face and their name. And, you know, of course, now you're probably going to not see all these people on there because they're cutting ties as fast as they can. 
But there are red flags for every kind of investment and especially crypto. It doesn't mean that crypto isn't worthy of you investing in it. What it does mean is that you have to know how to do due diligence. So, you know, I was helping somebody uh, a few days ago with their portfolio. I do, you know, unbiased second opinions. I'm not a financial advisor. So mine is just telling them what they own, helping them read the fine print, that sort of thing. And they owned one crypto and they don't even know who's behind it, who created it. That's a big red flag. You really have to know who's behind it, who created it. Because, um, you know, with FTX, there actually were a, quite a large number of red flags even though you saw Tom Brady, even though you saw that they had sponsored the Miami Heat, if you were looking at the due diligence that investors should be doing, you would have seen enough red flags not to go for this. So I'm going to point, I'm not going to go through everything here because I actually did that in my last video conference, which you can look at, but um, you can go back and review the blog where I talked about it and I talk about the six red flags that you need to be aware of before you invest in anything. So that's one of the first things is to say, you know, um, sometimes it doesn't even get to the point of being FDIC or CDIC. Sometimes it's just that you shouldn't have invested in it, whether it's a private equity, um, private placement, REIT, um, seeing, you know, I get the feed from the Securities and Exchange Commission and boy, are there just a lot of fraudsters that just go out there with private equity offerings and all kinds of nonsense the smallest amount of due diligence, you could smell it out. So I just encourage you to read that and become aware of those six red flags. And anytime you see something that you want, um, you know, you want us to look into, look, if it's coming to you in email or viral on social media, chances are it's not a good idea. But if you want us to look into it, if, every, if everybody's looking at it, we try to turn those requests around really quickly so we can help you stay on top of it. So we've identified penny pots, um, stock scams, uh, trade coin, uh, MLM scams in the crypto space. So we're able to help you do this. And all you have to do is email info at nataliepace.com and we'll help you do that as well, especially if it's something that's going viral and everybody's exposed to. But now let's dig a little deeper on these claims of FDIC insurance because Voyager Di Digital said, uh, hey, we have a relationship with a bank, so your cash is FDIC insured. Of course, Voyager goes belly up and the cash is not FDIC insured. Why? Because FDIC insurance is for banks, not brokerages. So if the bank that Voyager Digital had a relationship with went belly up, that's when FDIC insurance kicks in. If the brokerage does, it does not. You see the difference here? So the brokerage was the one that went belly up. What, what can we learn from this? We learn that, look, almost every brokerage is saying, we have FDIC insurance for you. Does this, it's called a pass-through. Does this pass-through loophole apply? Yes. It does. Now, getting a straight answer out of your brokerage is going to be difficult. I tried it myself, but it's very clear on the FDIC um, fine print that they only insure member banks. Now, there may be some gray areas where a brokerage has a bank, and that may be a gray area if the bank actually owns the brokerage, right? Um, when I tried to ask clarification on it from FDIC on this, 
they did not offer it. They said they don't comment on um, any entities that are currently active. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't you know, give me an answer on something that they could have. So it is difficult. So what can you do? Well, first thing is you should learn how to do a stock report card on your brokerage. So here's one that I did on various brokerages. Now, a couple of things, this may um, look completely like gobbledygook, but you might see the red there. Now I have Coinbase has a lot of red around it, but I don't have it as red as like Gemini or Binance. And you can see there in the fine print why that's the case. So there is a big red flag on Gemini right now and there's a big red flag on Binance too. So I do encourage you to read this article so that you can um, check into that. I talk about Robinhood, Coinbase, Marathon Digital, Schwab, Sophie, Interactive Brokers. I talk about all of these ones uh, specifically, but I'll give you the cliff notes on it. So you're going to have to trade crypto on a brokerage that allows you to do so. TD Ameritrade, Schwab, a lot of brokerages do not allow this yet. Fidelity has said they may start allowing that even in your retirement account, but it hasn't kicked in yet. Um, Robinhood does, Coinbase does, um, off, obviously Binance does, and so does Gemini. But which one of these is the best one for you to be using? I would say you want the one that's been around for a long time and has been into uh, through many crypto winters and also where you have uh, transparency, you know how much cash they have on hand, you know whether or not they're making money or losing money. These kinds of things are fundamental to business. So if you can't gain access to the fundamental things that are important about business, that's a red flag. So again, for the, um, you know, the details on each one of these, you must just simply read the blog. But in short, if you go for something, um, again, on crypto, you're going to have to trade it on Robinhood, Coinbase, Gemini, uh, Binance, something like that that allows you to. And Coinbase looked like one of the better ones for that. But um, there's one other tip on crypto if you're going to do it. Don't, don't bet the farm. Don't make it your only thing. I know that you get a lot of emails saying, that the dollar is going to become worthless and crypto is going to be the only thing of value. Anybody that tries to scare you and then says the only thing that's going to be any worth anything of value, that's somebody that is benefiting from you buying that thing. That's a sales pitch. So be wary of it. Does that mean that you can't make money in crypto? Uh, clearly, it, it doesn't mean that. I mean, people have made money in crypto, but it's a different way of making money than a lot of people are aware of. So as an example, I pulled up the Bitcoin chart here. And as you can see, if you invested in crypto early, you know, you did really well, even with it way down right now. But if you got caught up and bought the high and the fever, you're way down, right? And people do tend to get excited about something when the price is high and tend to lose faith in something when the price is low. That's the exact opposite of what a you know, successful investing strategy is. In order to buy low and sell high instead of what your emotions want you to do, which is to buy high and sell low, you have to have the smallest amount, at least, of due diligence. So one other quick thing on crypto, and then we're going to go back into federal insurance. Most people 
are saying, oh, I'll just hold on for dear life, right? Or this is something that I'm gonna put into um, a hard wallet and I'll, I'll do an LLC. Well, there are reasons why that might not be the best strategy and definitely not with your entire nest egg. But one of the things I wanted to point you to is that the typical hold time is under five months. So it is, that's not happening that crypto is a hold product. It is absolutely something that is being traded very actively. And it is the whales that are moving the market and usually the whales that are ones making the most money on it. It's usually Main Street and those people that are holding on for dear life that are, are getting rooked. So that's the, the bottom line on that. And again, there are two recent blogs, both of which are easy to access at nataliepace.com forward slash blog. And also um, you'll be able to access it in this particular uh, video conference. So again, Robinhood, Coinbase, Binance, even hard wallets are covered here. Gemini, very, very important red flag on Gemini. Schwab and Fidelity Interactive Brokers, et cetera. So check that out. But I do think the, the bottom line here, and I'm gonna go back up to the broker stock report card, is that brokerages are not FDIC insured. So you need to know the sound fiscal health of whatever brokerage is telling you that they are FDIC insured, because if the brokerage gets into trouble, then your money is not gonna be FDIC insured. Okay, so you don't want to just have all of your money at a brokerage that has a low credit score. And some of them do. And some like Fidelity, um, that is an LLC owned by an LLC. So you can see that they do have a credit rating of A minus from uh, Standard S&P Global, but you can't see their financials necessarily. They may provide them to you somewhere on the website, but it's not a publicly traded company. So it might be more difficult to find. Now, the other reason I mentioned this is that there were a number of brokerages that were, some were let go belly up and some of them got bailed out, but um, people may have lost a little bit of money. Definitely investors lost a lot of money, right? Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, AIG, Countrywide. So the reason that I mentioned this about knowing the credit rating uh, and the fiscal health of your brokerage, if it is claiming it is FDIC insured, is that we have examples from the Great Recession of um, people who had cash holdings at some of these brokerages. Um, it, Bear Stearns, obviously, it turned out a little bit better since they were swallowed up by JP Morgan. Lehman Brothers, not so good, right? That one just went out and people that had any cash there um, they may have gotten a little bit back, but it definitely wouldn't have been everything they put in. So um, that's the bottom line on your FDIC insurance. Now I wanna talk also a little bit about fiat currency in general. So we did have banks that got into trouble in the Great Recession. In fact, over 400 banks failed in the wake of the Great Recession. A lot of people are not aware of that. So here, I'm gonna pull up the statistic from the FDIC website. So here's bank failures. And what tends to happen is that there's smaller banks and you don't even know it happened other than you'll see a name change. So, you know, if you're invested in that bank, you're going to know because your investment is going to, you know, when things go belly up, your investment goes down to zero. 
So you're definitely going to know. But as a cash depositor, your cash deposits just get folded into whichever new bank entity is taking over. So we saw that Great West was taking over a lot of failed banks. Um, you know, if you were driving down the street in your local community, you probably noticed that there was a small bank that's no longer there. And all of a sudden there was a new bank name on it. So a lot, this, this has happened that banks failed. And it's more likely to happen with smaller banks than it is with larger banks. And, um, and part of that is the big banks were bailed out. Now they're not supposed to be bailed out this time. So you might say, oh, well, that doesn't sound so good, right? Does that mean that they're gonna go out of business? Well, we do have stress tests and all of the banks passed the stress test this last most recent time that it occurred. Um, let me pull it up for you so you can see it. There's this 2022 uh, stress test results. It looks like it was just in June of 2022. So all of them passed. Now that doesn't mean that they're all rated equally. So behind that, I have some of the um, stock report cards. I'm gonna pull this one up for you in a moment. But just give me one second here. There's the crypto stock report card, but we already looked at that. And there is the bank stock report card. So as you can see here, a lot of these banks that you might not be aware of are at the lowest rung of investment grade. Goldman Sachs is a BBB. Citigroup is also. Wells Fargo is also. The smaller ones uh, may not have a credit rating because they're too small. So remember, the smaller ones are going to be the most vulnerable. When you have a bank that's worth $162 billion, that's one that can um, typically, you know, that's, that's a lot of market value. So the bigger something is in business, the more likely it has resources to solve problems. Now that didn't work for Lehman Brothers, but it did work for all the other banks that were bailed out. So again, um, you know, if it is FDIC insured, you should be okay. We have seen the FDIC insurance work. The Great Recession was a time when we when it got tested and we saw that it worked. Um, so it it could work going forward. I would what I would say is you don't want to have all of your eggs in cash, but you definitely want to have liquidity. So there are some things that are available now uh, in terms of fixed income that are paying a not great but better yield than we saw we've seen in a long time for short term. So let me show you what a couple of those things look like real quickly. Because liquidity is important. You want to be able to, you know, have money in case you want to buy. If real estate prices keep dropping, you want to have money in case you want to buy low. So here's one product. This and this is it, you're not going to be able to put a lot of money in there. They only allow ten thousand um, dollars per year per person. But this current uh, Series I that's linked to inflation is paying almost seven percent. If you looked at the um, treasury par yields, then you would see that I think it's this one right here, hope slow. 
Okay, so you can see here that you're getting almost 5% for a one-year T-bill, right? Now, the problem here, as you can see, is that those 30-year T-bills are paying less than the one or the two-year. So the good news for anybody buying a new T-bill is that you can take, you can get the best return for a short term. So if you are going to do anything like this, what I would say is keep the term short and the credit worthiness high. So you could have various accounts of things that are pretty safe and not all your eggs in one basket. Like uh, for instance, Capital One is paying a, a, above 3% for your savings, but it's another one that has a very low credit score, right? Like the best credit scores that we see, um, I don't think I included Capital One on this uh, bank stock report card, but the best credit scores that we see are like at uh, Bank of America, JP Morgan is A, a lot of them are BBB, and even Ally Financial is BBB minus. And that's, that means it's very close to junk status. So what I would say is, uh, and what we do at our retreats, is, again, we spend one full day on what's safe. That's how important it is. It's tricky because long-term bonds that you were, you've been in for a while could be uh, losing money, negative yielding, and even vulnerable. Uh, whereas the newer issues are higher yielding, less risk, and you can go shorter term. So we're in this squeeze spot where you have to navigate between the calm, good water on the right and the white water that's eating you up on the left. And um, that's something that I talk about in these video conferences. It's something that we dig into all day long on day three of our investor educational retreat. Getting safe is a priority. And I'm gonna show you a chart why that is the case. So this is the chart that I promised you, hang on. So what we see right now is that, you know, our, we've never had such a debt world, even post-World War II wasn't as over leveraged as it is right now. So everything is in the red pretty much. And, um, you know, even valuations, even with stock coming down a little bit, and real estate coming down a little bit, valuations are still very high. So this is Warren Buffett's favorite valuation tool for stocks. And as you can see, the last two times that stocks were, uh, you know, this overvalued dot-com recession, uh, NASDAQ lost 78% and took 15 years to crawl back to even. Great recession, Dow lost 55%, took about seven and a half years to come back. So it's really important now more than ever to be what I call safe, protected, hot, and diversified and to know what's safe in a world where there's a lot of debt, a lot of leverage, and overvalued assets. So everybody is trying to stay calm, cool, and collected. There are absolutely economic storms on the horizon. You don't want to panic. What you want to do is to have a diversified plan, even on the safe side that has some cash in FDIC insured banks, in high credit worthy cash positive uh, brokerages that didn't get into trouble. If you'll notice in the Great Recession, Bear Stearns bailed out, um, Smith Barney bailed out, Merrill Lynch bailed out, not TD Ameritrade, not Schwab. Um, so it's really important to know what the difference is in their business models and why those uh, brokerages did so much better. 
and also the credit scores. So again, if we go back even to that um, blog that we talked about at the beginning of the hour, um, you know, of, of this conference call. Sorry. Here you've got Schwab, and it is one that was rated, um, believe it was rated A minus. I'm sorry that I didn't include it on this stock report card here. So you can go to, you don't have to have an account. You may have to register your email, uh, but you can go to these websites, whether it's Fitch Ratings or Moody's or um, Standard & Poor's or S&P Global and look, at the, look for the credit score. Sometimes it's not that easy to find, but typically if you can find the ticker symbol, then you can easily find um, the credit. Let me walk you through it on one just so you can see how easy it can be. We may as well use Schwab. So if I go to um, an, a good financial website like money.msn and I put in Schwab's ticker symbol, which is SCHW, Charles Schwab Corp. And then I usually just cut and paste that and put it into the standard import, uh, the S&P Global. So it's rated A and that's higher again than Wells Fargo. It's higher than a lot of, um, you know, as we saw here on the stock report card for our, our banks, you know, that's right. Um, that's even higher than Bank of America and JP Morgan. These are rated A minus. So a couple of other things that I wanted to say is that, um, money market funds and annuities. Annuities are not FDIC insured at all. They're guaranteed by the insurance company that offers them to you. We've seen sadly a lot of fraud cases with annuities of late. Um, insurance companies almost always get into trouble in recessions because they invest a lot of money in the stock market. Now, I wanted to go back to that uh, financial stability report that is released twice a year by the Federal Reserve. And here, when it says leverage in the financial sector, they're saying, look, the banks and broker dealers are relatively low. They're not talking about crypto broker dealers here. They're talking about like Schwab and TD Ameritrade and Vanguard and et cetera. That's, they're not talking about um, you know, Binance or Gemini. But they're saying that the non-bank financial firms, and that they're talking more about insurance companies and hedge funds. So I would definitely, as you can see here, we've got um, you know, uh, negative growth in insurance companies, negative growth in mutual funds. So these all play uh, you know, not good for insurance companies. And I do wanna remind everybody that one of the biggest bailouts that we had in the Great Recession was AIG. AIG owns a lot of other names, uh, insurance company names. Also, a lot of the insurance companies received bailout money. So you should, if you do have an annuity and it's not yet annuitized, you really should do a stock report card on your insurance company and make sure that it's got a high credit score 
that it has a lot of cash on hand and that it didn't get bailed out in the Great Recession because that kind of risk that they took on then might doom them this time around too. Um, with regard to money market funds, the fine print on them is that they have redemption gates and liquidity fees. So what we've what we've seen people talk about in the kind of the mainstream dialogue is that the bank can call you a debtor and capture your money. Well, not the FDIC insured, but what they can do with the money market fund that is built in to have redemption gates and liquidity fees. So if there is a run on the fund, they can actually stop the redemptions and or they can also impose a fee. These are non-negotiable. Also, a lot of money market funds are paying you a little tiny bit. And if you add, if you take out the amount that you're paying for it, it's paying you nothing. And then the fund itself can actually lose money. And most of them have. So they're not really keeping your money safe. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, that's all I have in my 401k. But there are a lot more options in your 401k than you might be considering, whether it's a self-directed option, a rollover option, um, or even looking to see if maybe you can get into short, shorter term T-bills or something. So, um, and the other option too, is that you don't put all your money in the 401k. Like for a lot of people who attend the retreats, what we say is, why don't you go in at the match, if they're matching 3%, 3%, if they're matching 6%, 6%, and then uh, consider your independent retirement account where you can have greater control over things. Um, also you in the US, not in Canada, you could consider a health savings account. So you could be putting in up to 10%, but that 10% might be in these other funds that offer you more freedom and greater safety. All right, I know that's a lot to unpack in, um, you know, in this, but the bottom line is FDIC insurance applied and CDIC insurance apply to banks, not brokerages. So even if your brokerage has a pass-through with a bank, if the brokerage goes belly up, then your cash at that brokerage, it doesn't mean it goes to zero because all, you know, in the, in the event of a bankruptcy, all of the assets get pooled and then they try to give out back as much as they can to everybody that's, um, that's owed money. But it still could be a loss, right? So that's important for you to consider and to make sure that you're only at credit worthy brokerages at this time. And then money market funds are, and, and oh, there was one other question that somebody had as well. So FDIC insurance doesn't apply to all bank products. You could actually have a certificate of deposit that is not FDIC or CDIC insured. Each one is different. So you have to ask, you have to check the fine prints on it. Um, and insurance products are never FDIC insured. So annuities or anything like that, uh, any fund and funds, any fund, anything that has the word fund in it can go down in value, money market funds included. All right, um, let me just make sure I don't have anything else that I want to tell you before I ask, answer one other question that was emailed into us. 
So it's going to be the small and the mid-sized banks that are the most vulnerable. So you might think about going with a uh, very credit-worthy big bank for you know maybe the bulk of your FDIC insurance. 561 banks failed between 2001 and 2022. What's safe in a debt world? Again, it's going to be a combination of things, but as we are able to focus on even more at the retreat, <clears throat> there are certain bills that you pay that you might be able to make smarter choices in hard assets and get rid of the bill. So instead of receiving money, what you're doing is you're cutting off uh, money that's going out and making everybody else rich except for yourself. So there are some what we call low-hanging fruit on safe income-producing hard assets that you purchase for a good price. Also, although I wouldn't purchase any real estate right now because it's still pretty high priced and the, obviously the interest rates aren't good, um, you can think about going forward having the liquidity in place in case the real estate market continues to soften that you could uh, potentially buy something. So we want to start thinking more intergenerationally we want to think about family wealth across the generations. We want to keep the money in the family. We want to stop making everybody else rich. We want to be diversified. We want to be led with wisdom and time-proven strategies rather than ride the Wall Street roller coaster or have blind faith, even in what they tell us, because it's the fine print that gets enforced. And finally... So there are many ways that you can actually push yourself up the path to wisdom on financial literacy. It may seem like a big job, but it's kind of like building your house. You, you have to figure out how many rooms you have. You've got to figure out what the best contractor is, what kind of, uh, you know, cradle to grave uh, materials you're going to use, et cetera. And then once you build it, you get to live in that house and you might spring clean it once a year. But it's a house that can withstand storms. And that's what we need to get to in our physical house. We want to have a financial house that can withstand the economic storms that are very, very, very easy to see on the horizon. That can be done, whether you do it by reading, uh, reading about these strategies in the ABCs of Money 5th edition, or attend our January 20th retreat, or if you would like, you can get an unbiased second opinion from me. I tell you what you own. I tell, show you a pie chart of what would be a, a, a better protected plan and how you can get there step-by-step. Step. You're the boss of your money. I can't give you buy or sell instructions because I am a financial educator, not a financial planner. But I can sure tell you what you own and I can sure tell you what a better plan looks like so that you can make an informed choice. And that's the problem. A lot of us are believing of things that our banker, our broker our, tells us. And then lo and behold, if we were reading the fine print, we would see that it's very different. So let's get smart. Let's be the boss of our money. And you will find that you can navigate this. The Great Recession was really a hard time for a lot of people. The people that used our pie chart strategy earned gains and have outperformed the bull markets in between. So this is not rocket science. It's easy as a pie chart. It's less time. It's less money. You spend money learning the ABCs of money that we all should have received in high school. And once you have that life math skill, it's yours forever. It just becomes part of your DNA. All right. So uh, one last question that was emailed in from Sierra. So Sierra, you had asked about rebalancing, which is an important part of your nest egg pie chart strategy, rebalancing with fractional shares. 
the truth is I would not be using fractional shares if I, um, you know, if I was just starting out, what I would be doing, and it kind of depends upon your age, right? Like if, if you're in a time right now, we're overweighting 20% safe. So if you're 40 and you're overweighting 20% safe, you've got 60% safe and 40% at risk. So I, if I were you, I might start with that 60% safe, right? So maybe it's the treasury I bond that you start with. Maybe it's a, a T-bill that you, even a thousand dollar T-bill. Then as you want to start filling in those other slices of your at-risk side, you know, um, you don't have to do fractional shares. Pool the money and then buy a share or or whatever it's going to be. So start out looking at your pie chart and look at the biggest slice, which is the what safe side. And then start adding what you think might be the best thing that's gonna do well going forward that might still be trading for a good price. At the retreat, as you know, we looked at a lot of funds and many of them are trading very high. Also, I'm worried that if you're talking about fractional shares that you're investing in a lot of individual companies rather than funds because fund prices tend to be a lot lower than, you know, buying a, a thousand dollars of, uh, you know, some very popular Amazon or Google's uh, stock. So that's what I would say is that I would be doing it differently and I probably would not be using fractional shares. And every time that you rebalance, which should not be obsessively and compulsively, it should be once, twice, or three times a year. And in the meantime, you are continuously filling in more money, you know, uh, that 10% religiously going in from your income. And, um, and then when you're rebalancing, you should have enough in there to buy actual full shares of funds. So that's the other thing too, is that I would not be investing in individual companies that required fact fractional shares. I would go for a fund that has that type. Like if you're looking at a lot of FANG type stocks, and I know they have a different acronym now, um, but if you're looking at a lot of high growth, large caps, there are funds that do that that might be a lot lower priced than Amazon or Google. All right, uh, hope that helps. And I'm gonna stop it here for a second, see if uh, anybody has anything that they're emailing in a question or has a question they wanna ask, and then we'll close out. All right, so that takes us out for today. I just wanna show you uh, some of the things that I've been talking about. So again, if you are interested in reading about the life math that we all should have received in high school, the power of 8 billion has ways that you can save literally thousands annually with smarter energy choices. The ABCs of money is the life math that we all should have received in high school. There's a, a section on debt reduction, a section on the Thrive budget, uh, on stocks, on bonds, on what's safe, on real estate. There's an entire section as well. So this is one that, uh, and again, all of these eBooks, we price them eBook really low. One, because we want to encourage you to do digital um, because it's greener, a little bit more green for the planet, but also um, it's just lower price for us. Put your money where your heart is. The strategies I use to become ranked a number one stock picker. ABCs of money for college. Uh, parents should get it when their kids are children. But even if your kids are in college right now, it's a good idea to read. And the gratitude game is something that helps you implement the strategies that you read about.
Now, the fast track to all of this is to join us at the retreat. And the next one is going to be January 20th online. It's three days. Uh, nest egg strategies, day one for your 401k, your IRAs. Day two, what's hot and how to avoid the bailouts and you know the problem areas like FTX and the crypto winter. And then day three all day long is what's safe. So all you have to do to learn more about that is just click on it or you can email us or you can call 310-430-2397 to register by phone or we can send you a PayPal invoice. And then we're also doing one in England. If you'd like to join us, this is our first in-person retreat since the pandemic. Uh, email us for additional information. It's in Poundbury, one of the more sustainable cities in the world. Um, so there's that. And the last thing I'll show you is that you're going to be able to watch this back on youtube.com forward slash Natalie Pace. Click on the YouTube icon. If you want to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, and even podcasts, Spotify there, Apple there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, let's all keep our money so that we can all be enlightened investors and form a community of enlightened investors who stop making everybody else rich, keep the money in the family and live a much, much, much richer life. Thanks again. I'll see you um, next, well, maybe even next week. Um, bye. Natalie Pace signing off. <laughs>